Founders Fake, Startup Supercharge, Brain Hacking, and Mind Tech. So today, I'm going to give you a glimpse at some of the cutting edge technologies out there and what impact they may have in the future. So that we, as human beings, our brains haven't changed for over 100,000 years. It's hard to imagine that we have the same brains as our prehistoric ancestors who lived in caves and you know their tools were very crude yet today uh, yet today in the world we have today you can look around you and you can see that we have skyscrapers we have huge cities uh, filled with computers we are sending people now you know into outer space eventually we hope to colonize mars so how is it that our primitive brains are able to adapt to our modern society? What makes that possible? And the answer is that our brains are very malleable. Our brains are built to actually adapt to any environment. So the, the, the you know, our brains are still a mystery, even to neuroscientists. But what we have learned is that our brains are literally encased in a black box. They don't know anything except what signals they receive. And our brains are really good at pattern matching, interpreting the signals they receive through our five senses, you know, our, sen our sense of sight, our sense of smell, our sense of touch, all our different senses are channels into our brain. And our brain actually, when we are born, knows nothing about the world, but takes in this sensory information and then uh, forms a vision of the world, of the reality we are living in. And I will show you how that ties in to the future of brain-computer interfaces. So brain-computer interfaces have been around a while and a lot of research has been done. So at Duke University, uh, Dr. Nicolaelis is one of the leading uh, brain-computer interface researchers in the world. And he has done some amazing experiments. So one of his experiments, he put a monkey in a box, as you can see, and then he put a chip into the monkey's brain. Now, within a very short amount of time, this monkey could learn to control a robotic arm and feed itself. So the monkey, of course, wants to get food, and it found that when it thinks certain thoughts, the arm would move. And it figured out, oh, I can actually control this arm to go out and pick up food and feed myself. The next experiment he ran was uh, monkeys in the same type of box, but now they're in a wheelchair, an electric wheelchair. And these monkeys, just by thinking, could learn to drive the wheelchair around and get from point A to point B, gather food, go wherever they wanted to go. Now, the amazing thing is, if a monkey can control a robotic arm, if a monkey can drive a wheelchair, human beings with brain chips should be able to do the same and a lot more. So uh, he proved very early on that our brains could actually interface with devices, you know, outside our body and control them. Rats' brains wired together. The next thing Dr. Nicolaelis did at Duke University was to actually wire two rats together. Now you can see in the picture here, these rats are actually 
located in different buildings, in different cities. So they are thousands of miles apart, yet they have a chip in their brain and a wire connecting them to the internet. And that connects them to the other rat in the other city. Now, what he wanted to figure out was, if I teach rat A something, can rat B learn that thing? So rat A, you see the encoder, would be in its little cage and it would see a light blink every time food was available. And it figured out that if it presses a button right when the light blinks, it can get a reward of food. Now the decoder rat in the other city didn't get this information. It didn't get any information. Yet, because its brain was connected to the, the, the first rat, it actually learned along with the first rat that if it presses the button at just the right time, it could also get food. Why this is so amazing is because Dr. Nicolaitis proved for the first time that we can transfer information from one living brain to another living brain. Think about that for a minute. We can, our brains could be wired together and we can literally take information and transfer it between them. So at UC Berkeley, they did another experiment. This time they used an fMRI machine. It's a big machine that actually measures the blood flow inside the human brain. And just by analyzing the blood flow, they can use AI and actually extract information from that. So where is the blood flowing? Where are the you know, sensors being activated? And one thing they were able to do with advanced AI and this fMRI data is they were able to reproduce a video that the person was watching. So the subject was in the fMRI machine watching a video. And then just by looking at the blood flow, not looking at the video itself, the AI could reproduce a crude version of that image. And you can see the two images there. The crude version is still fuzzy, but this is the early days, the beginning of figuring out uh, how the brain works. And what they found out is that a brain computer interface like fMRI can actually peer into your mind and get a sense of what your mind is visualizing. This is pretty astounding because you could potentially apply this to a host of things. You know, recording memories directly, directly from your brain. You could apply it in the future, especially as the resolution gets, gets enhanced to recording your own dreams. So there are a lot of applications for this and they're just scratching the surface. The next experiment Duke University did was they got three monkeys. They put a chip in the brains of each of these monkeys. And each of these monkeys were given partial information to solve a puzzle. So each monkey was there, basically the monkey's goal was to move a pointer in 3D to the right location on a computer screen and then they would get a reward of food. So uh, if the monkeys could do this, however, each monkey could only see part of the information. Each monkey could only see in 2D, either the x-axis, the y-axis, the z-axis, as you can see, they, can't, they literally cannot see the 3D image. They can only see 2D. 
Yet, by wiring the three monkey brains together, the monkeys learned how to navigate the cursor to the exact location in 3D. Even though they couldn't see, they could only see 2D, they figured out how to move it to the exact location over and over and get rewarded. And they became faster and faster at this. What does this tell us? This is actually a major breakthrough and they call it the brain net. Now the brain net is the ability for multiple brains when they are wired together to actually solve problems that no individual brain can do alone. So they become like a single meta brain, a super brain. And uh, you can imagine the implications for this moving forward. If we connect more and more people to brain computer interfaces, what would happen? How would these brains, would they begin to cooperate on not just a conscious level, but a subconscious level as a single uh, thinking organism? At Harvard University, uh, they did a, an experiment where they hooked a human up to a rat. And the human could actually, just by thinking, move the rat's tail. So the human brain was connected to the rat's brain. The human did not have a chip in his brain. He actually had a non-invasive brain computer interface, but the rat did have a chip in its brain. And that, but the human could send signals to the rat and the rat would move its tail. They did a more advanced experiment where the human actually guided the rat through a maze. The human actually maneuvered the rat where it wanted the rat to go. And they, uh, figured out that the rat was unaware of this. The rat did not know it was being controlled by the human. It thought its own brain was making those decisions. Now, if you think about that, you can imagine the implications that one brain could control another brain without that brain even realizing it was being controlled. At Washington University, University of Washington, they did experiments where two people with non-invasive brain-computer interfaces, these are uh, typically EEG devices or other devices that read your brain waves, but you don't need a chip in your brain. They were able to play a video game together, each one getting partial information, similar to what I showed you with the monkeys. Now, at Brown University, they've taken it a step further. They've actually implanted chips, like you see here, in human brains. Why would they do this? Like, is it even ethical? Well, these humans are actually, uh, unfortunately, uh, suffering from uh, really severe cases of brain damage. One of them is called locked-in syndrome, and that means uh, that their entire body is paralyzed. Only their, sometimes only their eyes can move. Only their eyes. Everything else, they're, they're completely helpless. So their quality of life is really limited. However, with the brain-computer interface, just like the monkey, these people are now able to feed themselves. They've even done experiments where these people can send text messages over the internet just by thinking. So uh, it's really a breakthrough if you suffer from these medical conditions. And we will see the first wave of commercialized brain-computer interfaces once they move from the lab 
into the marketplace. Uh, the first brain chips where we actually insert chips into the brain will be for medical cases like this. Now, Elon Musk, you have probably heard of, he has launched Neuralink and he is building brain computer interfaces right now. He has been talking about drilling a tiny hole in the skull using a laser. So it's, it, it's painless and very and almost unnoticeable and then inserting a chip into human brains. Now, I don't know about you, would you get this chip? Well, Elon Musk, again, hopes to use this for medical uh, procedures first, um, in, but later he wants to extend this to everybody. And Elon Musk's vision is that human beings are going to be faced with AIs that are incredibly powerful in the future. So artificial intelligence is gonna become so powerful and so smart that it will dwarf our human brain. What Elon Musk thinks is if you can't beat them, join them. We need to upgrade our brains using brain computer interfaces in order to basically compete with our AIs and stay in control of humanity. That's his vision. Whether that's correct or not, I will let you decide by the end of this presentation. Commercially, you can go out and buy a brain computer interface today. You can literally go on the internet to Amazon or other sites and purchase one for a couple hundred dollars. One of the most popular one is Interaxon's Muse. And I uh, uh, know the founder of this company, uh, Steve Mann, uh, one of the pioneers of brain computer interfaces and wearables. And he actually wrote the foreword for my upcoming book, uh, which will be released this summer called The Five Forces, which is all about this type of technology and other technologies that are going to radically uh, alter uh, our existence on this planet. So uh, I've done a lot of research in this area. I've used these devices and I've worked with a lot of startups uh, developing brain computer interfaces, as well as some of the largest corporations in the world, because this technology is extremely powerful. Now, EEG is a very crude technology. Uh, it doesn't, there's no brain chip required. It's just a band that you put around your head and it will read voltage levels of your brain waves and actually can determine your brain waves. It's very good for simple tasks, like determining whether you're concentrating, whether you're relaxed, states like that. You get to more complex things and EEG has its limitations. It's extremely noisy, uh, meaning there's a lot of noise. With new AI algorithms, they have actually developed EEG uh, to the point where it can uh, it can get better uh, resolution of your brain waves, but it's still not ideal. It's not like having a chip in your brain. But uh, there will come a point uh, in the future where brain computer interfaces, probably without having to have a chip embedded in your brain, will be able, uh, will become so advanced that you can literally uh, start to do advanced brain activities. Now, I will tell you, right now, DARPA, 
the U.S. military, the branch of the U.S. military that does research and funds research, they actually were the same group that funded the development of the Internet. Well, today they are funding the development of brain computer interfaces. They are pouring a lot of money into this because they want it for smart helmets and other ways. And uh, DARPA uh, is actually working on non-invasive, meaning you don't have to have a chip in your brain, uh, ways for humans to in connect their brains directly to the internet. And this, uh, they have, they've actually done some very promising research in ultrasound and other technologies. Another one is actually injecting nanoparticles into your blood that migrate to your brain through the brain uh, body barrier and actually connect to your neurons. There are all these technologies out there uh, that are that could totally transform uh, how uh, we envision ourselves being connected to our machines. Now, my question for you is what happens when our brains are literally connected to the internet. Well, one thing, and I'm going to be uh, go in, into the realm of speculation now about what could happen, because we don't know, we haven't done these yet, but there is a possibility that we could share memories. We could literally uh, share, uh, we, just like uh, with the fMRI machine, anything you're able to visualize in your head, uh, you could capture that uh, upload it to the internet, and then transfer it to another person. So we could also potentially, in the future, uh, share information, all sorts of information. Uh, we literally would not need uh, mobile phones anymore because we could communicate uh, simply by thinking. And if you can imagine uh, companies like Google, uh, Microsoft, you know, Huawei, uh, you name these big companies, big global companies, th they are going to want to be the first ones to develop brain computer interfaces because at some point we wouldn't need laptops. We wouldn't need uh, mobile phones. Everything could be done directly from our minds. Now, you, now, in a world in the future where we get more and more people connected to the internet, what's going to happen? Well, uh, some of what might happen are different experiences that we have never had today. For example, uh, one experience is not only could you share memories, but you could literally use the entire internet as an extension of your self, so of your brain. So all your, the information you wanted saved you instead of saving it in your memory, which sometimes could be difficult to access, you could stay, uh, save it to the cloud. You could also download information, any information you want on demand. So you might not need to learn a language. You might, uh, if you wanted to save information in your biological brain, maybe you could download it in the background while you're doing other things or even while you're sleeping. But more often than not, you may simply want to access information um, on demand. So you wouldn't need to save it in your brain. So whatever question you had, when you were, if you're walking past a building, how tall is this building? Instantly, that information could come to you. If you 
uh, want to solve a problem like at work and you're like, well, what's the best way to ship this? Which one will, which, when, when will this package arrive in, with different services? That information would come to you. Uh, solving complex problems. You could literally uh, outsource it to processors in the cloud that are much faster than your brain and they could solve incredibly complex mathematical problems for you. So literally all our brains would be connected to this massive network. And just like the monkeys, all of these brains may be working in collaboration. Another uh, amazing idea is that all of us, um, we have been trapped inside our bodies since the day we are born. But uh, as soon as our brains are connected to the internet, assuming the connection is fast enough, you could literally uh, be connected to uh, other bodies outside. So let's say you are connected to my brain. You might be able to intercept the signals from my eyes, have them transferred into your brains, and literally be able to see through my eyes, hear through my ears, as if they were your own for a period of time. So you can imagine a future where people, where you want to see what your wife or your kids or your husband is seeing, and you would look through their eyes. They wouldn't have to hold up a phone. You would literally look through their eyes and hear through their ears and potentially even feel through their, their skin, the touch on their skin, those nerve cells. All of this information, again, is just signals that your brain uh, can interpret. Another uh, very interesting idea is that we could connect to robots. They could basically, a robot could become a surrogate uh, for ourselves. So in the future, I might uh, be uh, sitting in my room, but I want to, but I could connect to a robot that is halfway around the world and in real time, I could control this robot. The robot could be a bird flying in the sky and I could feel the wind and I could flap the, the robot's wings, but I could also feel as if they were my wings. Now, if you think this is science fiction, it's actually not. Every part of your body, your hands, your feet, everything is mapped into your brain. Now, it, when people uh, lose a limb, let's say in a war, they, they have a limb uh, amputated, uh, they often feel phantom pain. They feel like that limb, their hand is still there, even though the hand itself has, uh, they lost it long ago, they will still feel pain and sensation through it. However, when those people have been connected to an artificial limb, a, a robotic limb that actually has sensors and can transmit information, suddenly that artificial limb becomes their limb. It is like it's their own, uh, an extension of their body. In the same way, if you are controlling a robot fish, that fish, for the period of time it was directly transmitting into your body, would become your body, its body. And it, whatever sensors it has, you could experience those. In fact, you could experience things you never experienced in your normal life. So if the fish's body uh, or the robot, whatever it is, has uh, sensors that can detect ultraviolet light like insects can or infrared light or other or can hear like a like a, a, a dog can at much higher frequencies or smell like a cat can, you could start to 
experience these uh, sensory inputs that you have never had before in your life that go beyond your five senses, opening up a whole new world. They call this, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's called the Umwelt. The Umwelt is the limitation of your sensory experience. Well, with brain-computer interfaces, we could expand our Umwelt. So we could, when we taste food, potentially we could taste flavors we never tasted before because they were outside our sensory range. We could see colors we had never seen before. We could feel sensations on our, you know, like touch that we had never felt at an intensity we thought didn't exist. All of this could be possible with the future of brain-computer interfaces. The final part of my talk is the brain net itself. Once we're all connected, every human being is connected, or maybe even not all of us, maybe just a majority of humans, we will start to experience a, a form of existence where we are no longer independent beings. Like right now, we feel like an independent individual. Like I can, I can feel my own pain, but nobody else can feel my pain. They can feel sorry for me, but they can't feel my pain and I can't feel their pain. Well, once we're connected through a brain net, our, we literally are joining our, our, our nervous systems, our bodies, we could actually feel someone else's pain. You could actually potentially feel someone else's love. So imagine if you're in a relationship and you go up to your partner in the relationship and say, do you love me? And they say, yes. You could say, prove it, let me feel it. <laughs> and you could tap into their brain and actually uh, start to get a sense of what emotions they have. And what would it be like to download emotions, like emotions from other people? How would we share emotions? How would we share, if we're all one giant network of beings living together, would we become like a single organism? The other question is uh, consciousness. We have a consciousness now. Uh, we call it a higher consciousness than maybe an ant has. But what happens when all of our brains are connected? Would we develop an even higher consciousness? Would there be a sort of meta-consciousness that emerges from the combination of all of our consciousnesses? And if you combine that not with just with humans, but with animals and who have brain chips and have chips in their brains, as well as our machines, our AIs and our robots, what are we creating? What would that be? But there is a danger and the danger needs to be discussed because as I told you with the rat, where we could, a uh, human could control the rat without the rat knowing, literally, as soon as we connect our brains to the internet, uh, we have the potential to let somebody into our brains. Now, we have all heard of identity theft when our credit card and our identity get stolen, and it can be a real hassle, you know, for, for, uh, to, to solve that problem. But that's nothing compared to having your brain hacked. If your brain is hacked, you could literally lose your identity altogether. You could lose your sense of self. Somebody could rewrite over your memories, could implant new memories, could control you without you even knowing you're controlled. What makes you human are your memories and your free will to act. Those could be taken away. So especially uh, with uh, governments and even terrorists or, or just hackers, you know, uh, 
it could be a catastrophic uh, to actually hook our brains up to the internet. And we have to think very carefully about this. Who do we trust? Like there are a lot of good things about uh, brain and amazing things about brain computer interfaces, but there's also a darker side. And this darker side is something that needs to be discussed right now, because honestly, this technology is coming. It's not just Elon Musk developing this. Uh, Facebook is developing brain computer interface technology. Google is developing it. Uh, Chinese companies are developing it. This technology is coming no matter what. And we have hardly begun to have a discussion of what it means to truly hook our brains up to the internet. So I like to say the future of brain computer internets are wide open. It could be heaven on one hand, all of us connected together, working together, an end of war, uh, true uh, feelings of connectedness, almost like heaven. And or it could be hell where we literally lose our free will and our control over our own minds. And you can imagine this technology in the wrong hands or implemented the wrong way of what it could lead to. And who do we trust? Like, do we trust corporations like Facebook and Google with this uh, technology? Are they trustworthy? Do we, what governments do we trust? Are governments trustworthy? Who is trustworthy with access to, uh, to our, basically our inner selves, our brains? Those are the questions we will ask. That is what we have to navigate. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses.